I'm just a normal person trying to help out my tenant. I own this property. No, you don't. The HOA does. Okay, boom. Don't pay your taxes and find out who owns the property. Welcome to the Troy Kearns Podcast. We talk all things real estate, business, and entrepreneurship. Today, I've got a very special guest, someone I've known for 16 years now, my good friend, Crystal Schlombush, and my business partner's wife, I guess, my business partner by proxy. So Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I wanted to take kind of, take a road basically where we talk relocation and change and see how like, talk a little bit about your story and also talk about your recent change of your story. So tell us about who you are, where you're from, what you do. Uh, I'm from Tacoma, Washington. Okay. And started out as a massage therapist and got into real estate once I got carpal tunnel from working too hard. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history. So you started working with John, or did you get, get into business because you saw real estate as an opportunity, or have you always liked real estate? I definitely have always been interested in it, but I would say it's really by default, just because, I mean, I would come home in tears every day, just working so hard doing massage, my carpal tunnel got so bad, I couldn't like, grip the steering wheel to drive and oh pick up the plates to put them in the cabinet. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I would come home in tears, and he's like, enough of this, just get your real estate license. Right. and. That was incredibly intimidating being in my early 20s. You know, not like that's a big deal to sell real estate. You're handling people's biggest assets. And so it was for sure intimidating and then even more intimidating to have the man that you love, <laughs> you know, going over your shoulder, like, do this, don't do this. And but it was like a crash course into just like going for it, really. But you killed it, right? Like you went after like. I just used his model. Like what I, was his model? Call, 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 call. Just stay on the phones. Just like, when should I be calling? No, it's easier to say when you're not calling. Right. Like when you're in the bathroom and when you're eating, you're probably not calling. So you guys, this is like dating. This is like... Yeah, this is when we were dating. <laughs> so that's intimidating because John has been like a top dog, realtor. Since the 90s. Since the 90s. Yeah. Since you were a baby. Correct. And... Um, so you got into it and then like he's teaching you how to do it and it's probably more intimidating because he's like, do it this way, not that way, right? Super intense. And you know, if when you're new, you don't know exactly what to say or exactly how to handle different questions. And so it'd be more like him over my shoulder and I'm on the phone and then he get off the phone. What'd you say it like that for? Say it like this, da, 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 you know? And so. And that was the, that was the courting period? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, but at okay. the same time, I mean, when you've only had your license for, you know, three months or less and you have 14 listings on the board, like so I'll handle did, the heat, you yeah. know, like, I'll so when did you it. get your license? What year was it? I think it was the end of 07 was when I finally got it. to 2007. And then you got 13 listings on the board. Like how quickly? Within three months or less within the first three months. That's amazing. I have actually never knew that. So yeah, you had 13 listings, at least, at least 13 listings. Mm -hmm. Just by calling what? Cancels and expireds. Cancels and expireds. Yeah. So for those of you guys who are interested in getting into real estate, people always say like, oh, you got to work your sphere of influence. Oh, you've got to do all that. Listen, I didn't have a sphere of influence when I moved down to Las Vegas and I didn't have any good strategy. But you called people 
who had their home on the market, they'd canceled it or it had gone the distance and you called them. What would you say? Uh, just, hey, are you folks still interested in selling your home? I see that it's came off the market, you know. And I'd love to help you out. How many hangups did you get on? Oh, a ton. Oh. People just click, click. You definitely have to grow a skin for that one. Right. For sure. Thick skin. So coming from like, and how did you get into massage? I had a teacher who asked me what I got on my SATs. And I said, I'm not going to pay to take a test. <laughs> and so this Tell was me in about high that. school. So what I happened? didn't take the SATs. I didn't want to pay to take a test. I wasn't Neither. really like, I just wasn't into it. I was just like. I don't, I don't know, maybe a more you, free spirit. I don't know what you want to call you, you it. You want to hear something funny? I didn't want to take the SATs to know how dumb I was. Like, okay. mine was completely not financially motivated. I didn't want to test to, like, tell me how smart or dumb I was. I, that's why I didn't take it. We know our value. Yeah, I was, like, this, <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. And I think that that's a good point to make is, like, if you're listening to this right now and you did bad on a test. I, I, did, I didn't do well on tests in high school. No, I wasn't a great test teacher. And look at where you're at now. So, like, that that just goes to show, like, tests could make or break you, like, mentally. You could be like, oh, I took this test and I failed. In fact, I failed my Florida real estate license three times. Really? For three. sales associate or broker? I think broker. The broker's hard. Yeah. I've never studied harder for a test. Yeah. I, I, did you pass? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> three times. <laughs> three times. I, the first time I took it, I had assistance um, with the actual course curriculum. So I went in kind of blind yeah. and I got a 68 after studying. I got a 63 after studying again. I think I only took, I don't know if I took it two or three times, but either way, the more I studied, the worse I did, Yeah. which was crazy. So that's a super hard test. So you're licensed in Washington and Florida. Tell me about, okay. So you got started right away. Um, your husband's always been involved in real estate since the nineties. You mentioned since like 1990, right? Around there. Around 1990. Um, you ended up shacking up. You guys got married. You have two children that are, how old are they right now? Uh, 14 and 10. 14 and 10. So you got a family. You've been educated through real estate. You started doing your career and then you became a mom and now you have your career. Every time I've seen you, every time I've been in Washington, you're always working. Like you're always the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say it wasn't really like any time taken off for the kids. It was yeah. more like bring the baby and breastfeed while you're on the phone answering calls. I mean, right. Yeah. They're been on the journey too. For sure. Yeah. Every time I've been around you, like I said, whether you've had help or whether you haven't, you've been in the office kind of getting things going. Now, you guys recently had a big change. You moved across the country, like across the country. Like if you die a diagonal and you pick the furthest point from Washington, it's Florida. Yeah. And you guys are living in Florida. Southwest Florida. Southwest Florida. So tell me about that and how things have kind of changed for you from moving to Florida. In just in general? Yeah, just like in general. And with business? Um, I would say there's a ton of learning curves, of course, you know, things that we could have done different and it's easier to see that now, you know, kind of like more bigger picture. Like if you're thinking about expanding how to do that, maybe in a better way. Um, 
And as far as it being, you know, all the way across the country, I didn't want to go at first. I was saying like, oh, my family's here. I grew up in Tacoma and all my friends are here and I enjoy seeing them regularly and they're a big support. I mean, yeah, maybe guys don't feel the same way, but I think for women, it's a lot of like, you know, you got your support, you got your crew and that's helpful to combat everyday problems. Right. I remember actually specifically when we were talking about Florida, we were down at the uh, Naples Grand and you were kind of rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> you were like, I was like, hey. Because it sounds so crazy. Like when you live in Tacoma, you've lived there your whole life. And then all of a sudden you're like, Crystal, you're moving to Florida. And you're like, it's it. like, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, of course we are. <laughs> but now you're, now you're a Florida girl. Like I love Florida. You love Florida. Yeah. So I think that that kind of speaks to like everybody is worried about change they don't want to change they feel like them making a change is going to ruin something anytime anytime i've made a change like when i moved from seattle to las vegas i was nervous i was like what's going to happen here you know i don't know what but then i always thought like i can go back i can go back yeah. i can always go back if you know and then when we moved to kansas city I was like, I don't know how that's going to be. And it's, it's definitely, you know, you learn from your mistakes and stuff like that. But I think that staying in the same place that you've always been with the people that you've always been with makes you not really grow in my Well, opinion. yeah, it just narrows your perspective. Like once you go out and go in wherever, different states, different parts of the world, you just learn so much more and how other people do things. And then you can incorporate, you know, whatever resonates with you and just obviously everybody's trying to be the best version of themselves, so these things are helpful to build our character right so what is one thing that you've learned from moving at a pretty young age how old are you now 39 I'm not, I'm not say that. <laughs> wait okay but so you moved to florida at like what 37 i think at 37 years yeah. old and so being born and bred tacoma washington t-town t-town lifetime seahawks fan yeah Growing up, your dad hunts, fishes, you're kind of a guy's girl. Like, I was watching you throw the football this weekend with Conrad, and you're, like, whipping freaking 60-mile-an-hour spirals at him. So, I got, grew up as a tomboy, so. <laughs> you definitely, you definitely uh, don't strike me that way when looking at you, but watching you throw a football, I can definitely tell that it's not your first time throwing a football. And you played high school sports. I played volleyball in high school and middle school and uh, softball. I played softball probably the longest. Right. So moving to Florida, has that been a completely different perspective now? Yeah. Sunshine every day. Right. That alone is just, I mean, I, in Tacoma, the second that it starts to get October and it starts to get like gray and rainy, I just... The feeling that you get overall just isn't the best. You're not like exuberant with energy and like, woohoo. Right. But I feel like the sunshine kind of feeds your soul and wakes you up a little bit more. I think there's, they have th something in Washington called like seasonal mood disorder. Totally. <laughs> and it's a real I didn't realize it was a thing. I didn't. But do you think it is now? Now that I feel the difference in my body, yes. Yeah. Yes. Vitamin D. Yes. Getting out in the sunshine. So you've taken up some pretty big athletics too since you've been to florida right just a lot of tennis let's talk about that yeah so you started playing tennis how long because i met you before you even played tennis 
Yeah, I only just started when Marcus was real little, so like eight, nine years maybe. And John's a pretty serious tennis player, would you say? Well, and I got a slow start to it too. I mean, I had just had Marcus, so it was like I remember going for a lesson and he was really little and, you know, John and Violet, who was probably like three at the time, you know, had to stay home and watch Marcus when I went for a one-hour lesson and I remember just, that did not go. It just, it's not easy, I guess, for everybody and so it kind of was like okay i need to really focus on making sure that the kids are straight and then once they get a little older then i'll play more tennis so now you're playing more tennis yeah and is that just because you're in florida and there's more opportunities to play tennis i was playing a ton of tennis you know in tacoma even before we left okay Um, so you picked up the bug totally yes all right so you picked up the bug with tennis and John told me a long time ago that you'll never beat him. He told me a long time ago I never beat him. How's that worked out? It hasn't worked out for him. <laughs> so how many times have you beat him now? I can't, I don't know how many times. So it's more than a few. It's more than a few, yeah. Sometimes he will have some little excuse like, oh, well, we didn't play out the full set. Or, you know, like, oh, it was like 98 degrees with 90%. Like, I'm like, bro, I'm playing in the same environment So his, his, are, his so. part of the ten- tennis court is a little bit hotter than where you're playing? Yeah, apparently. I'm sure it's hotter when you're yeah. losing. Yeah. So th- that's awesome. Okay, so you you mentioned just a second ago like that moving has taught you some perspective shifting in terms of what you would have done differently. What do you think that is? I would just say in regards to maybe the current business and things that we could have structured differently, uh, ways that we could have kept it together a little bit more. Right. So for those who don't know, which is everybody, you used to have a, a business in Tacoma, Washington, mm-hmm. that your husband built over the last several years to, how many brokers are there? I would say now we're riding around about 50. 50, and what was the peak? Almost 100. Almost 100 brokers. Maybe like 85. 85, yeah. 100. And brokers are, or agents we'll call them, agents who work under the brokerage which you're the designated broker, aren't you? Yes. So agents that work under you. That was from your encouragement. That's right. (laughs) I think it was just that like, we know for sure that Crystal's not going anywhere. She's going to be with you. So like, let's get her to be the designated broker because she'll be good good at it. You always pass all the tests apparently. Were you a good test taker in high school? No, I I, like health classes. I got A's on the test, but everything else kind of challenge yeah i get so nervous it's so like under the gun I don't yeah know. i think that everybody feels that way like there's no test that you're like oh that's easy or if you think it's easy you end up like failing it all right so we'll jump on to the next topic so moving to florida having lived in tacoma your entire life at the age of 37 what do you think has been the biggest lesson or biggest thing that you've learned about moving to a completely new place where you don't know anybody, you don't have any friends, you don't have any family, and you're moving to a brand new place where you don't know anybody? I mean, it's kind, it's such a, like a thing, like you got to like find your tribe and seek them out. And then it's like, well, you know, like what kind of vibe are you trying to catch really? And like, who are you trying to spend your time with? And I think honestly, it wasn't super conscious. It was just like, who will play tennis with me? (laughs) Cause I didn't know anybody, you know? And 
Um, I got hooked up with a tennis club, and the coach there said, like, hey, there's all these old ladies that play, but they'd gladly have you. And so that's really how it got started. And then I, you know, I have so many older friends now. I mean, we're talking in their 80s and 90s. and Nice. Yeah. Lots of wisdom in those groups. Totally. Well, and it really helped me, I mean, with tennis and in life, too. Like, you see the way... And maybe it's just more obvious to me on a tennis court, but you see these ladies who, you know, they got two knee braces on and elbow brace and whatever. And it's like, they're putting the ball exactly where they want it. They're don't move maybe that much, but they have the shots where whatever they need to do, they'll pass you. Like they'll, they'll lob it over your head. They just have all these tricks, but they're like the way that they are is just so like casual and calm and just like, nothing you know and for me being a newer tennis player i would always get like uh, like a little freaked out you right. know and like oh i gotta move around i gotta get over here and i gotta get over here and it's like how is this woman a hundred years old and she's beating me you know yeah. and it's just kind of a different way to look at the game right i think that's i think that's true a lot of times is we don't realize like it doesn't matter like same thing with golf you could have somebody who's 90 years old hit the ball you know with precision right where he wants it or you can go up there muscle it and hit it out of bounds with precision like every yeah. time so it just but when you move and you're fo- forced to meet all these new people and kind of almost reinvent yourself a little bit right like reinvent your friendships reinvent your um your kids friendships how how are how, how are the children acclimating oh at first they did not want to move they were just we're not doing this um really fought us the whole way but then probably after about six months for sure after a year they were like we love florida right they miss their family i mean there's no doubt about it like missing the family of friends is a big deal i even the first i would say year and a half even violet my teenager right would cry you know i'd be like what's wrong like because you know she's a pretty tough girl and i'd be like why what's wrong and she's i just miss you know my grandparents so much and yeah, that's, that's sad. Yeah, is that tough to deal with as a mom? Totally. I mean, it breaks my heart because I'm like, I miss them too, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's why I didn't want to move. But right. at the same time, like, John's theory is like, well, you spend more time with them. Like, if you're spending like four days straight with them, is longer than just a few hours here, a few hours there, whatever. Yeah, I think that like absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're staying with your family and maybe, like I know for sure for me, um, I lived with my mom when I was in college. I lived with her all through my whole life. And then, you know, till I was 28, I didn't spend much time with her when I was older as an older adult. And then, you know, as we have kids, you go back and you spend more quality time with them versus just showing up and be like, oh, God, I got to deal with yeah. my sister. My, you got a pretty, well, you got one sister? That's it. One sister mm-hmm. and a mom and a dad. Yep. So, so your dad was somebody who wasn't really excited for you to go to Florida, right? Not at all. Has he been there? Has he visited? Yeah, he visited one time. What do you think? I think to maintain his, like, you know, kind of gruff exterior, he has to complain a little bit. Right. So definitely, you know, he could throw out some some shade. But you know, <laughs> overall, I feel like he enjoyed it. Has your mom been there? They actually came together. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's going on with that? Uh, she said she'd rather come by herself next time, so... <laughs> 
Really? I think he just needs a little hand-holding. He's not used to really traveling. He doesn't fly a lot, so he needed, like, the buddy system. I got you. And my mom's really on top of things, so. Yeah. She can Apple doesn't them. fall far from the tree, right? Right. Where do you see things going for the next, you know, 10 years? Do you guys see yourself living in Florida for the next 10 years, or where do you... You're, you're actively... Well, now I don't know what to expect, right? Like, I didn't ever think that I'd move across the whole country just like oh that sounds fine you know so who knows right so anything's on the table now so you're actively working as a florida broker you're actively trying to get business you hit us up last the other day you're like hey listen i'm your <laughs> if, girl if you need anything i'm your girl yeah. don't call no one else right so for people who are listening right now and they're in Southwest Florida and they want a great agent, somebody that knows, and this is somebody who has worked with us on hundreds of transactions, countless, countless transactions and is on top of it. You know, real estate is one of those, those things where there's so much money to be made, but people don't realize how hard it is to stay on top of people and be, not become emotional. People become emotional when it comes to selling. Very quickly. Very quickly. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to. Like, it's hard to remove your ego from whatever you're doing a bit, I would say. 100%. Especially agents. I don't know what it is with real estate brokers. They think it's like the movies or something, and they can, whatever, run their mouths and... Like, you just have to take a deep breath. Like, are they the same way as they are in Florida? They're worse in Florida. Really? Yes. Like, how so? Well, I feel like everybody's on vacation in Florida anyway. So you get people, like, who's native there? You know, like, very few people, it seems like, from my experience. So you're getting people from all over right. the country that maybe are there part-time. They get a license. They want to sell it, you know? And yeah. so it's, like, just a bit of a different ball game and there's different nuances in every state too like in washington title won't hold your keys they're like don't bring us your keys you know like the keys for the property when you go to switch hands right it's the agent's job to give them the keys in florida apparently people drop them off at the title company and the title company hands them over so it's just there's different little you things guys like use that. attorneys there too right yes was that a big change i like it you like it better i do do you feel yeah. like the attorneys got your back more Definitely. Like, Versus some neutral escrow company who just wants to collect a bunch of fees. Yeah, they just collect fees. They don't advise. They don't, they don't do anything. They just drop the documents and make sure, you know. That's a great... I'm glad we're driving down this rabbit hole right now because I've always felt that way. Like when you're in the West Coast, you're dealing with an escrow company. Washington, uh, Nevada, California. You're dealing with all... You can't get an attorney to close your deal. And... You are essentially doing the largest transaction of your life and you're handing it over to First American, Chicago, uh, whoever, one of the large escrow and title companies. You know, they might be smaller ones. Like, who do you guys use in Tacoma? Uh, we've used Equity, Fidelity, The Rainier. one that Brandon's associated with? Uh, it was Equity e for recently. But yeah. he's been with Rainier and Fidelity. Yeah, so I mean, it's usually some salesperson, like a guy named Brandon, who comes over and gives you hot dogs and chocolates and everything else, and it's like, ah, I'm the best thing, and that's kind of the deal that you pay for is the service, right? But really... Because no usually your rep wants to keep your business because they make a cut off the deal. So usually the rep, even though, yeah, they're like kind of flashy flash salesperson, that's the person like, yeah, you're going to call your closer, but that's the person that wants to retain your business because they're making a cut off of that. Right. 
So, so they usually make the call if something's going wrong. Like if you're us, you can't get anywhere with escrow and title and you call and go, look, I really need your help on this. Right. They step in. Yeah. So for people who don't know what escrow and title is, what is it? Title is just the title to the property to make sure it's, you know, free of any encumbrances or liens or anything adverse. And then escrow is like the money of it. You know, you put your earnest money deposit in escrow. Right. The buyers deposit their money in escrow. Then escrow disperses that to the seller. Right. Upon closing. Did you ever want to invest in real estate? Did you ever want to live the life of your dreams? Did you want financial freedom? Did you want to break the generational curse? Did you want to help your parents out? Did you want to help your mom out? Maybe you work for a job that you don't like. You know, they say there's only one reason to work a job and that's to learn, right? If you're not learning at your job, you're just going through the motions, right? We have a free Facebook group, the Millionaire Mentorship Facebook group for real estate investing. Make sure you join. The link is in the description. If you want to schedule a free call with me and my team and you actually want to start, I would suggest you do so. We have helped hundreds of people change their lives and all they had to do was get started. They booked a call with me and my team and they got the ball rolling. And I'm so confident that if you don't get your first or next investment property within the first 90 days, you don't pay and I'll give you a thousand dollars cash. That's how confident I am. Obviously, you gotta take action. You can't just do nothing and expect that to happen, but that's life. Life's all about taking action. Make sure you give this podcast a five-star review, share it with a friend, and take action. So we were just talking about title and escrow, and so I think it's important to kind of really bring that home is that you're literally doing the largest transaction that you've ever had, and you have a sales rep that's probably giving the realtors candy and chocolate and friend and dropping <laughs> off stuff and wine and all this. I've been around. Okay. Seeing this stuff happen. And this is honestly one of the biggest money grabs. When you go and sell your property, you have to pay it. The, the insurance companies lobby the state to have these escrow companies set their fees make them whatever they are. They say, well, they're state regulated. We can't change them, right? How many times you heard that when they try to re when you try to negotiate with your title and escrow company? And you just mentioned that you like working with attorneys better because you feel like you're more represented. And I feel the exact same way. I feel like it's worth it. Like maybe you're paying a little bit more, but guess what? You have legal representation. You have someone to review your documents. Let's say you buy in a homeowner's association and you're like, hey, I want to have a a pit bull and a chicken, you know, yeah. and the attorney's going to be like, yeah, per section, da, 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 you aren't going to have that, you know, right. just simple things like that. Like, do you want to read through a stack of papers this big and no. understand everything and no. what that, like the lawful implications are? No, no, absolutely. So you have there's professionals for that. Yeah. And they're not. And, and then that's the thing is with escrow and title, you don't get that. No, you get like, did you read the forms? Did you read? Yeah, because we're not here to advise you anything. We're just here to make sure things balance and make sure that the title that we're going to make money selling you the insurance policy for is insurable for us. We don't care if it's insurable for you because we're going to make exclusions if we're not going to insure <laughs> it and we're not going to tell you about them. We're just going to put them on a list. So there's really, um, if I'm going to pick uh, attorney, uh, attorney closing or escrow closing, I'm going attorney all the way because 100% I feel the exact same way. And a lot of times with attorneys, they look at selling you the entitled policy as actually a pain in the butt. They're like, that's not really what I do, but you can buy it and you find out how cheap it is. It's like 200 bucks, 300 bucks, 400 bucks. That was another thing. Like the different nuances state to state was that they 
ask the seller, like a buyer or buyer's agent can be like, hey, seller, uh, can you provide me with your last elevation, sir? Can you provide me with your last tile insurance? Like, people don't do that in Washington that I, in my experience, it's just like everything's fresh and everything's new. But in Florida, they're like, we'll save you money if we can use your previous policy. Yeah. And I guess it's a little less work for title, so they do or, it. Yeah, they do it because it saves everybody money and the closing companies making the same amount of money on it. They're not doing anything else. It's just costs that the buyer would normally feel. And we're just starting all the way over when we're in Washington or California or Nevada. And I think that's a big problem with, with escrow and title companies is that they, when, when we talk about state regulation and what's good for you, it's not really what's good for you. It's usually something that's been lobbied by somebody who doesn't understand the industry and who, they put it into law and they've been like, that's great. Go ahead, yeah, we should do it that way. That'll be great for the customer. We saw this with FEMA. Like FEMA said, oh, we're gonna make all these places to, are required to have this flood insurance, but who benefits from that? The insurance companies, not the people. The people can't benefit because now they can't buy the house maybe that they would have been okay with buying. You just also mentioned something that I wanted to really take a deep dive about because it's been a conversation that's been brought up several times this weekend, mm. um, which is HOAs. Uh, and uh the reason i want to talk about it is i think you know i have a pretty strong opinion about hoas i don't like them very Um, strong when i came from washington i had bought a condo and it had an hoa there and that was my first exposure to hoas and i remember my roommate at the time smoked and he would throw his cigarette butts over the the deck of the condo and we'd get a letter or something would happen we'd always hear about it and, and you know, and then I and then it was funny because that same condo had a special assessment in Washington, and it dropped the condo value down like to nothing, like because they hit everybody for sixty, seventy, eighty thousand oh, dollars wow. of assessments, and it just made the value implode of that condo. And I told you how much I hate HOAs, and then I served on the board for an HOA, and I just realized that HOAs are just the anti. It's like a, a miniature government ruled by like retired librarians and maybe some control freaks. And so tell me now, for those of you guys who don't know, Nevada and Florida have some of the, have more HOAs than any other place on earth. Now you're dealing with one. You have a property that you bought in an HOA as an investment property. Mm -hmm. Tell me what your experience has been so far. Well, number one, I considered your advice. I know you hate HOAs. You have nothing good to say about them. And I really did consider that. But also what I was considering was, you know, I want to provide a good Florida home for a prospective tenant. And the amount of money that I'm willing to put out or that I can put out, if I want the tenant to be able to have gym access, a pool, a jacuzzi, barbecue area, walking trail, like all these amenities, like I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a single family home to give a tenant this kind of experience. But I could afford that in a condo association. And so that was my goal was I was like, man, the tenant's going to be so happy with this place and they have everything here. And, you know, that was the goal. And I thought, well, this will be easy enough. Like, we'll see. How's it been? I would say it has not been too difficult. It's just another added layer of regulation that it's like sometimes these things will even make no sense like right like like what makes no sense that you've had to deal with um approved tenant approved in the community they're supposed to take 20 days uh so we wrote the lease 
date for around 20 days and then all of a sudden miraculously they came back you know within five or seven days and gave us an approval but my lease is only written it, you know starts on a certain day that allows for more time for approval so it's like hey the tenants approved you know some normal thinking is like well let's get you in there you know like right. these guys are ready to move you, you're approved of the community let's go yeah um you know, and then, oh, if you want tenants to move in early per the HOA, then you're going to have to run it through the board again and have that approved, the new date, which to me... You already approved it once. You want another approval on top of your approval? <sighs> like, like an approval for a move-in date change. So it's things that seem very, very, uh, like, they're the dumbest little details. Right. and. In the big scheme of things, this is an approved tenant. They're ready to move in. They've already paid all the money. Like, we're good to go. And I'm comfortable as the owner of the unit with them moving in. Obviously, the homeowners association approved them as tenants, so right. they're okay with it. Right. But you want to mess with me on a date? Right. On a couple of days and act like it's a big deal? Right. And, and then also how they talk to you. Like, they talk to you like they're, like, bossy, you know? Totally. It's just kind of like, I'm just a normal person. I'm just a normal person trying to help out my tenant. I own this property. No, you don't. The HOA does. Okay, boom. That's right. what they understand. That's what they do they, understand. Yeah, they understand. And this is a good point to drive home. Is And this is why. So when you go and you look at properties and you're like, okay, who owns this property? Well, first of all, you don't own this property no matter where you're at. Okay. Don't pay your taxes and find out who owns the property. The government owns your property. You have the rights to your property as long as you pay your taxes. Now, you want to you want to add a layer on that. You have what is called a deed restriction, right? So, deed restriction runs with the property. Well, the ultimate deed restriction is an HOA, and that is built in. Says, okay, not only do we have this deed restriction, but we have this deed restriction with this whole book of rules, like this big encyclopedia book of rules yeah written by a bunch of lawyers who are never going to live there who never have lived there who never have lived there who got paid <laughs> to make up a bunch of rules and then they give these soup nazis this rule book to enforce nobody reads that by the way like when we're talking about boards i've served on several of them not one of them reads that rule book what they do is they rely on the management company who has still who hasn't uh, who hasn't read the rule book to give them advice on how to enforce those rules. Mm -hmm. And so if you're thinking about living in an HOA, think think very hard because it's it's Well, I'd say also like if you're looking for income properties, obviously you're gonna have a way easier time not dealing with the added layer of the homeowners association. I mean, then you get into like the gated community, like I can't get a gate code for my new tenants. You've already approved them. You know, just that whole added layer of inconvenience that it adds to the deal. Right. And then your tenants over here thinking like, well, what's wrong with this person trying to rent me this unit? Like, you know, there's all these things, like little hoops that I have to jump through. Yeah, they cool off. They're like, oh, now I don't want the property anymore. This is like a real pain in the ass that I'm going to have to deal with now. <laughs> yeah. So I would, you know, moving forward, I think that definitely it affords you as the owner and then the tenant just a little bit more freedom. To be fair to some HOAs, there's some HOAs that are pretty easy to deal with. And there's some HOAs that are not. Generally, the ones that are condos have lots of rules. Mm -hmm. um, 
even in even and and let's talk about where this all came from. This all comes from liability. So when a builder builds a property, now these days, rather than taking the responsibility, because back when builders used to build, there was no HOAs, but to pass on that management responsibility to somebody else, they put in an HOA involved. Mm -hmm. And it's a homeowners association. They say, well, it's to preserve the community. We don't want to have a purple house in there. Do you? And I think- Oh, uh, this one went as crazy as to just write in recently, cream or white colored shades only that you can hang in your house. Yeah. That's- a bit of an overreach. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, I've, I've been involved in HOAs for a long time and nothing. In fact, the funniest thing that ever happened to me, and these people deserve it more than anybody. Okay, let me just tell you that. So I, one of the first properties I bought was 9039 Alex Creek Avenue in um, Las Vegas, Nevada, as an investment property. It had an HOA. I didn't know anything about HOAs, really, at that point in time. I bought the property in 2005 as a piece of dirt, okay? Rented it out. I had a stack of files this big from violations that I had received oh. for, for the last... And finally, I said, enough's enough. I'm going and I'm running on the board. I'm getting elected and I'm going to fire the freaking management company who has been <laughs> in there the whole damn time, Okay. And so I did, and I wrote a letter to everybody in the community, and I won, and I got elected, and I fired the HOA management company. And I found out that they had actually been stealing money from all of the communities that they dealt with. Oh, and wow. their name was, uh, yeah, I think it was Associated Community Management, and the lady's name was Audra, Audra Collins. And I, somebody in their, in their family got in trouble for stealing money and for mismanaging money. And these are the people that are, they were, <laughs> I literally, the way I got elected as I copied the guy's tweets, there was total nepotism going on because the mother owned the company, the daughter ran the company, and the husband of the daughter enforced all the violations. And I believe they got paid some way on that. And he was like, literally I wrote 1500 uh, violations today on his Twitter on his Twitter so I put oh all that stuff my into gosh. my letter as I wrote it out to everybody like this is who we got and my single goal to get them elected is to get fired fire them and I will do that and I did that but I mean there's some nasty people that run HOAs and some nasty actors that are involved in that they realize how much power it gives them and it's just a it's just a bad way to do business so now you're you're living in Florida. You got tons of HOAs. You're you're a broker there. Um, how do you how do you like navigate that situation without you know giving your personal feelings about HOAs now? Like if somebody buying or selling a property. Well, like you said, there are some good points to the homeowners associations. Like it prevents your neighbors from making their front yard like a junkyard, right. or you know having broke down cars and boats and whatever broken trampoline out there for years and years garbage you know it, it helps right and you know having a nice community having it gated sometimes that's very important to people so i can see the positives of the homeowners association it's just how do you know what you're gonna get like once you get in there right who's gonna change the rules who's in charge of it? and who's really in charge and what kind of a person are they like are they a really nice caring person or are they like you know, having some stick in a broom and they're like, oh, you guys are going to do what I say. Yeah. You know, I think it usually is the latter. 
<laughs> I think it just usually is. That's who it attracts. And there's a lot of bad actors in that situation. I think most people just want to live in their house. And their one concern is that they don't have the person who has the pile of crap house right next door to them. Right. Or they're not painting their house hot orange or whatever. I mean, who cares? Yeah. I think I'd rather have the hot orange house versus the HOA to be, I think. I to think, deal with? Yeah, for sure. At least everybody will know where you live, right next door to the hot orange one. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I'm in the one that you can't get in because there's like really silly rules like everywhere and like you have a bunch of code and we, I got to get you approval so you can come into my neighborhood or take a left at the hot orange house and that's mine. Yeah. So, um, with real estate and your career and the changes recently, like you said, you don't see, you don't know what's happening next in terms of like what the future holds. But I do know that you're actively growing your real estate business, and you've recently gotten into the social media space, right? Uh, at your encouragement. Well, I think it's like, listen, I didn't want to get into it, you know, so. It's just funny that I've been encouraging, you know, my JSR team for years that this is what we need to do. And, you know, it's it's a lot different when you try to get on yourself. Like, how many videos have I tried to record? And I'm like, delete, delete, delete. Oh, that looks terrible. Oh, I sound ridiculous. You know, what am I even talking about? Really? Yes. That's the ones you post. <laughs> See, that's the thing about me is I just didn't care. Like, I'm like, I sound ridiculous throw it up there. I think people are a little bit more forgiving about guys. I don't know why. Like, you look fine. Like, you look great. You know what I mean? Like, girls, I feel like it's like, ah, your makeup's messed up. Yeah. Or, you know, your shirt's stupid. That's the stuff that goes viral. You're not looking at the camera. Or, like, if you got a booger know. hanging out, that's the stuff that's gonna go viral. <laughs> like, big old... Big but old, is that what you want to be known for? I mean... <laughs> okay, Kim K. Like, whatever it takes. Listen, yeah, her first video did definitely went viral, and it was, you know, her and Ray J, you know, and so, um, yeah, I mean, usually the stuff that you don't think is, the stuff that you put all this thought and emphasis into, it's not going to go viral, but the stuff that you like. So I guess the one where you told me where you're like, hey, I'm, I, I'm surprised I don't have very many female students, like, that really fired me up. Yeah. It totally did, and I felt like I maybe only recorded that, I mean, call me crazy but I may have done it like 15 times but that's it but that's not a lot you know and so I did like because I was like this is really serious like I really want people to know like right. women can be investors like what are you right. ladies thinking right. you know get into real estate yeah and that one took off right which I was like I don't even know who's watching this stuff <laughs> like I have no clue it got over like 2700 hits or something who's watching it I don't have 2700 followers yeah so where are you at well, speaking of that, if you guys <laughs> want to follow Crystal's journey, how do they follow you? At your Florida broker. Your Not your Washington broker? broker? Florida broker. <laughs> Florida broker. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so on Instagram, your Florida broker, are you doing any of the other socials? No. No, not yet? <laughs> okay, not yet. There not we go. Yet. All right. Yeah, it, it, it is super hard to grow on social media it's just intimidating it's very intimidating and i just worry about all the negative things that people could say and oh they maybe, will oh they will say them if the one insecurity yeah. that you have yeah uh or the other whatever you have that's an insecurity they will find it they will zero in on it and they will push that button as many times the best advice i can have is if you're getting into social media don't read any of the comments just don't like it it's there's so many people that 
will say so many things that are hurtful, that are nasty. Um, just don't read the comments is the best thing I can say. Because you'll be going down and you'll be like, oh, great video, Crystal. And the next one's like something completely nasty. And you're like, what? Why? <laughs> like, what did I do to this person? Right. And people are just out there trolling, trying to, you know. Well, I think it just goes back to how John taught me about calling it, you know, sellers and calling clients. And it's like, are you going to let the guy who's like smoking a cig, drinking a great Fanta on the couch at 1130 in the afternoon on a Tuesday ruin your day? Yeah. Like, you know, you're out there getting after it. You're making calls. You Who cares what this person thinks? Right. You know, and so kind of the same mentality I could take. Who cares what any of these people say? But it's hard to hear negative stuff about yourself. It, it's not easy. No. You know, it, it's not easy for anybody. Everybody, you know, can go out there. and. But I think the, the biggest reason is you have to say, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right? And if you get on there and you're like, I just want to, like, do social media because I like it, ah, whatever. But if you're sitting there going, I want to build my personal brand. I want to be the person that when you come to Florida, you come to Southwest Florida, you say, you're a Florida broker, boom, that's who I want to work with. And we talked about some tips, like some things that could could work. And it, a lot of times it's so simple that we think, we overthink things, yes. right? Like you overthink like, oh, I need to do this like awesome video where I'm snapping and all of a sudden this house is appearing in front of me. Like Eden's always coming up with these, the, the ideas that are like super complicated. I'm like, I just want to shoot something right now. Like, I don't want to have the one that has all of this thought process. Well, into the right now, like that's kind of my realm of knowledge at this point. So you're not getting any more than I know how to do. And I do not know how to work the system that well. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing, especially for anybody who's listening and for you, is just like, you have such a, a massive amount of knowledge. And if you're, you have to decide like, who do I want to follow me? If I, if, if I want people who are gonna be like brokers or potentially customers, then I need to give advice to them. Like, here's what you should do before you buy a house in Florida. Most houses in Florida are gonna have the HOA or this or that, the other thing, however that works. It's the same thing like for us with education. I knew that I wanted to attract blue caller type of people i knew that i wanted that that type of i knew that i wouldn't resonate just because the way i speak and stuff i knew i wouldn't resonate with like the the prissy white collar people and so i think knowing your audience is the best way to start mm -hmm. so um do you know who you're trying to attract um well at this point i would say i just kind of casually went into it you know as far as the florida market and and really, it's just been helping friends that I've made, you know, mm -hmm. with their real estate, um, helping a few people from out of state who wanted to make the move. And that's been great. And as far as where it goes, I've already had somebody come to me and ask me like, hey, you know how to do real estate. Can you teach me? And so that's been really cool because I've been working with a new gal that, you know, we can throw around ideas and we can go, you know, show properties together, whatever. And right. so... She's been kind of learning the ropes, but I mean, you know, it's not easy. Like if you tell somebody, hey, you need to sit on the phone for four or five hours and hear no all day, they stop after a couple calls. Right. <laughs> they're like, this is lame. I'm not getting a hold of anybody, but yeah. it's just a numbers game. And, and it's a great career. I mean, it is um, where you can make a lot of money doing it and you can do it in any state. You got your license in Florida. You can do it, you know, throughout the country. 
Um, why should, let's talk about like wh why people should move to Florida. What's to like about Florida is uh, sunshine every day. That's a big plus. It's huge. It's huge. And you think about your level of activity. Like think about living in Washington State for eight or nine months out of the year. It's so gross out. Either you're going to be standing with an umbrella in your rain boots, like at your kids' soccer game, if you're going to do that, or you're going to be in the house. Like, right. You're not out, right? Yeah, yeah. In Florida, it doesn't matter what month it is. Like, you're out, your kids are riding bikes, you know, you're going for walks, you're walking the dog, you're playing in the park. It's just every day. So would you say it's healthier to live in Florida? Yeah, who does? I mean, like I told you, you can feel the vitamin D. I can feel how it feels better in my body. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's so and then healthier with the exercise portion as well like like you say well, how why are you playing so much tennis is because there are tennis court in every corner well yeah but there's just a lot of people who are active right so a lot more activity to mm -hmm. do there than Washington yeah it's real you got to be almost an outsider in Washington to be in good shape and to be active because the weather does not dictate it Right? There's a lot more things that you'd want to do inside. Nobody wants to go for a run out in the rain. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, unless, you know, you're like my dad and you hit up hunting and fishing season, you don't care what the weather's like, but is it really pleasant? I mean, have you been fishing when your knuckles are, you yeah, know, so <laughs> completely white and you're shaking and it's oh, raining? This is a great time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you catch a dock walker, great, but, you know. That's yeah. not every time. Yeah, and that your dad, I think, is a special breed of person. I don't think a lot of people really like special. Yeah, I mean, you could do hunting and fishing in Florida and not get cold. It's just a dying breed. Like, pe people aren't as tough as him. Yeah, I mean, people are getting less and less tough every generation. Oh, they're pussies. Are you kidding? Like, yeah. kids nowadays, I mean, even adults, it's like they have so many excuses. It's like, a, it's like dealing with children, but they're adults, you know? Yeah. And it's just mind boggling because I feel like back in the day, like my dad was the youngest of three boys and he was like the oops child. So his brothers are 20 years older than him. Really? Oh, he was the oops child? Yeah. So fast forward, you know, 20 years, then you have a brand new baby. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And so my grandparents were very old. And so this like old school mentality of like working hard, doing the garden, like getting your hands dirty, like cooking on your own, not being afraid of stuff, like taking matters into your own hands. Like that's just how they taught me. So yeah, that's so, it's so weird that that's just a rarity these days and that, you know, you're not supposed to parent your children the way that you were back in the day, like that you can't do certain things because you're going to be looked upon but wrong, but we're end up raising all of these very, I guess, spoiled, entitled children, you know, like if we're not careful, not myself or yourself, but I'm saying like people in general, if they're worried about what other people think, they're going to end up raising a kid who does what he wants, gets what he wants, when he wants it, and that's what you're going to get, right? Because the kids, if you listen to what your kids want, it's exactly what they don't need. Mom, can I get the iPhone? Mom, can I get this? Mom, can I get this? I mean, they're never going to stop asking for stuff, and if we just cave into their needs, then it, you're just not going to bring a, uh, raise a very strong uh, child. So I think that's great that you carry that. And you tend to be the you tend to be the boss in the family, right? Aren't you the disciplinarian? I mean, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's from your upbringing? 
I think it's just based on a need to have respectful, good children. Like, they're a reflection of me. I don't want some kids running around being disrespectful, like throwing their gum on the walls or whatever. You know, it's like kids are, they'll do what they want if you let them. Right. They need guidelines. I think, I think that's one of the best compliments that someone can have is when someone sees their children and says your kids are well behaved. Yes. Yeah, like you feel good about that versus like, yeah, here, you can, get them back, can you take them back as quick as possible? Yeah. Because these things are, these people are about ready to burn the building down. Well, it is because it's the hardest job. There's no manual. Like, right. read as many books as you want. You're still not going to have all the answers. What do you think has been your, your secret to raising great children? Because you've got two great children. Well, I was told back in the day that patience was just a big deal. And that is something that I have actively tried to work on with myself, with my children, with my parenting, you know, with my tennis, as I explained, yeah. just simply being patient. And, you know, it's easy when something doesn't go your way to get fired up about it. And is that really the best way to teach your children? Right. Mm-hmm. You have to think of how that message is received. You know? Right. Yeah, I kept my I kept, I catch myself hot under the collar plenty with my my son for sure. <laughs> I'm like, all right, maybe the screaming ain't working the, the best way. So you definitely right. But then you have people go like, well, then whisper, and it's like, okay, we got to find a medium. You know, right. we have to find something in between because yeah. this way and this way, like, let's meet in the middle, and I think that's gonna be the best sauce. All right. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, in terms of you know Washington versus Florida, where would you rather be? I'm really enjoying Florida at the moment. At the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see yourself going back to Washington? To live? Uh-uh. Um, I don't know. Maybe if I'm older for a few months out of the year. Right. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask that question specifically because it's not the same place that we both, we both grew up in Washington. But it's not the same place that we both grew up. Like, the, the rules are changing big time over there. Like well, yeah, I mean, if I could say exactly how I feel about it, then yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. The government is terrible there. They have run that. That used to be the coolest to go to Seattle to, like, it was what you did. You got your driver's license. You're like, we're going to Seattle. You know, just because that was the thing to do. It was the big city. It's right. nostalgic. I mean, it's an amazing town. Right. Now? Yeah, what's it like now? Uh, what happened during COVID? They allowed people to take over a police precinct. Wow. That's not okay. Yeah. That's just, it's just like lawlessness. Like you could do drugs, you could have a tank, you could like steal stuff, you could beat people up. Like nobody gets in trouble for anything there. Active drug users unless, on the streets. Unless you're not pulling a permit on a building. Then we're going to have some problems. But if the people are burning your house down. It's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. And that's where it's like, it's so like, it just makes no sense at all. Like the people who are tax paying citizens, who are good people contributing to society, owning businesses, doing all this good stuff in the community. They're the ones who don't have a voice. You don't know how many times we have called and emailed and worked with other people to say, Hey, like, these, this is not okay. Right. You know, I read some statistic that since 2019, crime is up 300%. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's no longer safe. Like, my mother-in-law doesn't go to the store by herself anymore. The right. grocery store. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we talk about, like, you know, we just talked about parenting, and then we're talking about, like, it's the same type of thing. Like, if you let your citizens 
go crazy and do drugs and like they don't even prosecute certain crimes in Washington anymore. They let them out. I, I've never understood this whole like like who thinks that like there can't be that many people that think that that's a good idea. So, yeah, I think, like, obviously the low-level crimes, like, you know, you're caught with a little bit of weed, whatever. Like, you're not being some malicious person in society, right? Yeah. But these people who are openly using drugs, do you think it's cool to drive down the street with my kids and be like, that guy has a needle in his arm? Like, it's yeah. terrible. Go wave at him. You know? I'm be like, nice. Yeah. Be this neighborly. Is, this is terrible. Like, I don't want my kids thinking, like, wow. Yeah, that's, that, that's an option for some people. Yeah, for, for those of you who don't know and who are listening right now, it's like Washington has completely changed, completely shifted. Not just from like a growth standpoint in terms of bringing a bunch of new jobs to the to the community, like there's Microsoft and then all the offshoots of Microsoft. Costco, Amazon. Amazon, Costco, uh, Boeing, all the, you know, Costco came there like when I was working at Red Robin. And then, you know, Microsoft had been there prior to me, you know, as in the 80s, you know, it was founded there. And then Boeing's been there my entire life. But then all these offshoots like Expedia, uh, Zillow, um, you know, there's a million dot com. Fortune com- 500 companies that are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the laws, it, it is the most socialistic society on earth right now. Like I've taught my mentor who, who taught me a lot about real estate. He can't collect rent on his properties right now because you cannot evict people in Washington state. Do you know anything about that? I have, yeah, stories about that, yeah. People buying properties and you know, then the COVID hits and then the television or the governor, whoever it was, told him, well, you don't have to pay rent anymore. Well, what happens to the landlord that actually just spent all the money to buy the property so they could rent it? You're bad. You shouldn't You shouldn't be getting rent. Let the people who we're affected by this. Like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing like your thoughts about everything that's going on. You've been a great friend of my wife and myself. You've always been there for us. I always tell you, like, it's funny because when I first met Crystal, we were at an REO event in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. I was teaching her husband how to go after REO accounts. And she showed up. He was like, I miss my wife. I want to have her come down here. She's like, you'll love her. She's so cool. And you come down and I think you're freaking 11 and a half months. I was big as a house. Yeah. You, but yeah, you were, and, and we were down there hanging out with REO Speedbag and you've always been like just pushing him and helping him achieve great things. And you've always been pushing yourself and you've been a wonderful Friend, in fact, the the funniest thing and I'll tell you this, like on camera, literally. But my wife says, she's like, she never wants anybody to stay with us, like in our same household. Last night, she's like, we're getting ready to go to Mexico again, which we always go to Mexico like three or four times a year. And she's like, well, we could rent this. I'm like, you really want to have people like stay with us this time? So that speaks to like her comfort with you guys and our comfort with you guys is having you in our family, and we appreciate all of your support every time i've done something you were my biggest fan when i first started on the social media so means a lot that you're out here we're shooting a podcast together and anything that i can do to help you you know you've got my number and obviously call me anytime but if you guys want to blow up crystal give her a follow give her a like give her a share follow her your florida broker on instagram any words of wisdom for people who are trying to get started in real estate or thinking about a major life change? Um, thinking about real estate, 
you have to have an honest broker that can help you and give you really good advice as far as what's going to be best for you, but just don't be afraid, really. Right. You know, um, as far as moving, again, I probably just don't be afraid. Just try don't to, try be to shake the fear and just roll with it. Step outside your comfort zone. Do things that are new and challenging. We'll talk to you in the next one. Peace.